Welcome to Mother Other, a place for conversations with mothers who continue making their mark whilst navigating the demands of motherhood. I am your host, Amy Pearson. This podcast is recorded and produced on the lands of the Dark and Young people, and I acknowledge them as the traditional owners. Sovereignty was never ceded. So today on the show, I wanted to do something different, which I haven't done before. Um, You may remember Laura as one of my guests from last year. She's the co-founder of WellRead, a curated book subscription service, which delivers one of the most anticipated reads of the month to your door. Um, We spent a lot of our conversation discussing books with themes of motherhood last time, as we're both avid readers and motherhood is obviously a topic we're interested in. And you always have your finger on the pulse of what's happening. So who better to join me in discussing the best books we read with themes of motherhood in 2020? Thanks for having me. Nice to be back. Yeah, my pleasure. So would you like to start us off with the first book on your list? Sure. It's um, probably a book a lot of you have heard about, particularly this week because it got optioned for film rights, um, Mm. which is very exciting for an Australian novel. Um, The book is Sorrow and Bliss by Meg Mason. It's deeply funny, deeply dark, just a very deep book that just felt so true to life for me. Mm. I have to admit, I've read it three times in 18 months, which is probably unprofessional for someone whose job it is to say (laughs) abreast of new releases. Um, No, but but it says a lot about the book. Yeah. Yes. And perhaps me. (laughs) But um, yeah, the book just spoke to me and I mean, despite being a book about the demise of a marriage and the challenges that arise when mental health issues go undiagnosed, the book is actually a joy to read. It's, mm. um, it's yeah, I haven't laughed that much uh, for a, a long time reading a book. Um, it's not specifically about motherhood, uh, but the main focus, I guess, is the demise of the marriage and one of the main um contributing factors of that, I suppose, is that the narrator Martha's Martha has um, an ambivalence towards having children. She has this fear of passing her own um, mental health issues onto her child and um, a fear of repeating the same dysfunctional relationship she has with her own mother. And yeah. I think that their, their sort of um, anxieties and worries that um, mothers, whether they have children already or not, feel... Um, mm. Yeah, totally. But it's so well explored and so witty and so poignant and, yes, I implore you to read it twice or at least <laughs> once. <laughs> I have an interesting relationship with this book because I picked it up right when first trimester hit for me this time around and okay. I'm sort of notorious for every time I hit the first trimester I get this weird thing happens to me where I can't do anything that I enjoy so I can't eat food that I like, I can't read, I can't listen to music that I normally like. It's really weird. I just get this sort of like aversion to everything and everything makes me feel sick and it's horrible. And I picked that book up thinking, oh, this will be perfect for me right now. But because it was so, it was written incredibly, so it's nothing to do with the book itself, but because it was so much about mental health and it was quite, Mm. um, the first sort of few chapters were quite like heavy and not depressing but I don't really know how to explain it it just made me feel low and I couldn't yes I couldn't continue and I think I've been wanting to read it so badly ever since then but I've got this sort of thing in my head where you know when you eat something when you feel sick and then you can't eat it again because it reminds so you, you. you you'll have to return to it I will um, yeah you'll I've, have to return to it when you when you're out of that phase and yes. you're in the um enjoying the music and food you normally like and I totally. and we can discuss then yeah I'm really but looking forward heard, to it but but I yeah. have heard from some readers that uh they they did find it maybe a little bit bleak but uh, as I mentioned I found it just a delight to read in many ways mm. um because Meg is hilarious um and I found maybe the bleakness that was in the novel and the story very real. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I, think, I have a, maybe a that's strong why threshold it was, for bleak. <laughs> yeah, I love bleak too. Maybe it was um, too close to home. I don't know. It's just sure, yeah. because it was so like early be... in the pregnancy or something. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. But I do take well, you, your word for it. Like I always enjoy the books you love, so I'm sure it was me because it happens every time, you know. It's just this <laughs> weird coincidence that was unfortunate. But 
Anyway. Let's chat again in six months. Yes, When you'll absolutely. have lots of time to read, surely. <laughs> <laughs> um, my first book was Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell. Did you read Hamnet? I did and okay. I loved that book. Yeah, it was, I, I think it was the opposite in terms of what you what I was just saying with that book where I picked mm. it up at the perfect time. I was in the midst of COVID. Um, it's a story about sort of the time where the Black Death Plague is prominent and it was I was spending a lot of time with my son alone and it's about the death of Shakespeare's son, so the death of a child and I guess the mother is a prominent character in the book and so it just destroyed me emotionally <laughs> but in the best way I found it so incredible. Um, so basically for those who are listening, it's a speculative fiction about the death of Shakespeare's son, won the Women's Prize for Fiction last year, which I'm so stoked about because I think it's well-deserving. But it's not difficult to read, which it kind of sounds like when you hear that it's about the death of Shakespeare's son. Uh, it's a story of love, family, motherhood and obviously grief. And I was completely absorbed in the world of that little family the whole way mm. through and I also really enjoyed how because COVID was happening and it had that surprising correlation which I'm sure wasn't intentional at all um, mm. the plague also caused major city lockdowns and O'Farrell did this thing where she explored the journey of the actual bug of the illness traveling all the way on its trajectory and passing from animal to person to animal all the way to the mm. town. It was where... weird, eerily, the, the parallels were, were really quite eerie. Yeah, it just, I don't know, it was like the most timely experience of reading and I actually was very, very emotional reading it, which doesn't happen to me often. Like I'll feel a lot of mm. emotion but I never usually actually cry when I'm mm. reading properly and I was actually crying and maybe that was because I was in lockdown and I hadn't seen family in so long and it was mm. all just so relevant but yeah it was absolutely the number one book for me for the year so highly recommend yeah it. I was I came to that not reluctantly but I thought oh this sounds like it's going to be hard work and it's mm. it, you're 100% right it's a it's such an affecting read that you are immersed in fully if, and mm. if you love those wholly immersive reading experiences, then just don't even read the blurb, just go in. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's what I did too. I didn't really know what it was about. I just mm. trusted that because I like O'Farrell as a writer, I trusted that it, I'm just going to give it a go and see what she's done here. And, yep. yeah, before I knew it I was all the way through and just, yeah, fully shook from that book. It was so Tears. good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so what have you got next? Uh, just another very small book uh, called The Vanishing Half by oh, Brit Bennett. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I promise they won't all be this fuzzy, um, but, you know, you can't talk about 2020 without talking about this book. Um, again, it's not specifically about motherhood, but it uh, is so motherhood and mothers are so intrinsic to the narrative. Um, like Brit Bennett's first book, The Mothers, it explores the presence and absence of mothers. Um but in the case of The Vanishing Half, it does so from both the daughter's and mother's um, perspectives. Mm. So like I mentioned, the book's been hugely successful. I probably don't even need to give you the <laughs> listeners a synopsis, but for those who haven't heard of it, um, it's about identical twin sisters who are black, but they're so light-skinned black that they can pass as white and their Southern American town is renowned for light-skinned black people um, and one sister actually does indeed go on to pass as white and so this is a passing novel as well um and that means having no relationship with her family or her twin sister um and then the other twin sister has a child with a darker man and then returns to her light-skinned small town with a much darker skinned daughter so it's uh hugely racially charged it, it published right at the moment when black lives matter sort of um, propelled into the the um, the world and became such a timely read because it explores with such nuance mm. um, a lot of ideas around racial identity and whiteness. Um, yeah. But the development of the characters in this book is so brilliantly done. So all of those themes they do not feel didactic in the slightest. This is a 
this is a book with such rich characterization that you are reading, mm. you know, a story that you are like, probably like we were just chatting about with Hamnet, you are absolutely immersed in. Yeah. Um, and you become so intimate with the, the complicated relationships of mothers and daughters and sisters, obviously, as yeah. well. That was actually one of my choices too. And I, when we discussed our lists beforehand, I thought, you know what, I have to leave it in. It's the only double up, but I just have to. Great. Because it's such a good, perfect, like you said, timely book from last year. And it's perfectly encapsulates the theme of motherhood, I think, as well. And pretty yes. much everything you've already said is essentially what I would have said. I love the old-timey voice that Britt Bennett uses with her narration. Yeah. Um, and in her Gorgeous, book, yeah. The Mothers, which is obviously also quite relevant, um, she uses that same narration style and that that is what hooked me on her, I think, in the beginning when mm. I first found her. But, yeah, she's got a skill for storytelling, that's for sure. I can fully see it as a – is it being picked up for film? Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. I think it's been optioned for a, a mini series. Yeah, I can see that. And, you know, that was actually one of the, the things that I think I said in my review originally. I can see it as a series in that episodic sort of jumping back and forth in time yes. and um, yes. timelines and things. But, yeah, the book of many divides for sure. And absolutely, you know, her stories, even though there's so much um, subtext and um, richness to them, like, it's it is a story above all else and mm. like you know readers will take what they will take what they want from the from reading it yeah totally yeah amazing book excellent choice so um, that was our double up I that was, was our double interested. up yeah <laughs> do you want to do another one the next one is i am not your baby mother by candace mm. Braith- brathwaite um and this is a memoir by a black british woman and she is like it's her work to to create a more diverse representation of motherhood she's the founder of the blog make motherhood diverse and she's now a popular social media influencer and specifically in the mother kind of sphere Mm -hmm. in the uk but when she became pregnant um candace realized that the extent um to which racism kind of exists is it means that uh motherhood in mainstream media particularly in social media and in marketing um is not does not include people who look like her yeah um so i was really affected by this book particularly um by her chapter on medical trauma um that she faced during childbirth and also afterwards it's really it's brutal to read um i guess you'd give it a trigger warning but it's so essential because Mm. Um, statistically, we know that black women, black women endure uh, medical trauma at a much higher rate than white women. Yeah. Um, so I found, yeah, and I find, I found her book uh, hugely insightful and intimate and honest. It is a memoir after all, but it's equally well-researched. There's a lot of data and statistics in it, um, and it almost reads as a manifesto towards the end. Um, but, yeah, I think if anyone... I now follow her on social media. I think I came across her from the high-low. They interviewed her and I was just so impressed by this woman. So, um, yeah, very, very important contribution. And and just I realised that all of the motherhood books I'd read predominantly in the non-fiction genre were by by white white women. women. Yes, absolutely. You know what? That book has been on my wish list since I saw its release and I still haven't read it and I need to buy it. I'm going to buy it as soon as we Put finish. Put it on your list. And you know what? I would love to talk to her actually on the podcast. I've been meaning oh, to sort that of would be... buy the book and get in touch, but I just haven't and I need to. It's a good push. Yeah. That would be a great conversation. Mm, totally. Um, yeah. That sounds like an excellent read. And I also follow her on social media and love everything that she does and posts. Yeah. And, she's yeah. so vibrant as exactly. well. And I just, yeah, yeah she's beautiful. What's on your list So next? I also have a memoir slash biography. Um, it's by a white woman though and it's actually something that I thought when I was reading it and the one sort of pull away from the positive for me is that it is quite privileged mm-hmm. in many ways but it's also a really important story about uh, abortion rights in America. So mm-hmm. I think I learned a lot from this book and I found it really really essential that a lot of people find out this information and get a hold of this book but at the same time I thought 
imagine if this woman had have been black or had have been trans mm. or had have been something else outside of, you know, a cisgendered white woman. It would have been a much more traumatic and brutal experience. Uh, it's called sure. Loved and Wanted by Krista Paravani, I think you pronounce her name. Um, and it's just been released, I think it was released in December, so it sort of just makes the cut for 2020. Um, but basically it's observing the depths and brutalities of motherhood, um, the experience of it, and also how, you know, much choice plays a part in motherhood and whether you can have choices or can't have choices. And in this situation, a lot of it was about how she didn't have choices when it came to abortion rights. Um, she already had children. She had, you know, a really difficult time financially and in her relationship and she found out she was pregnant again and realised that they literally couldn't afford to have another baby. Um, and so she thinks, okay, well, I guess I'm going to need to have an abortion because it's just not going to happen. Mm. It's not going to be the best choice for us and it's practically impossible for her to have one in the state she's living in um mm. but she can't afford to stop work and go and do it somewhere else and she has no one else to ask for support and they have two kids to look after the whole time so it, it's just this whole you never sort of comprehend being in those situations if you haven't been in them mm. before um but yeah it's rooted in themes of misogyny patriarchy choice especially in contemporary usa um what it means to have a uterus explores her life and choices or lack thereof and you know she lives this relatively comfortable middle-class life though she has a lot of complaints but you know she still has a student debt a job two daughters a husband and when she's faced with this reality she literally can't access the option to not have the baby and it's just bizarre you think someone in that situation should be able to make that choice but they can't still and like what it's 2021 what is happening so, yeah, it's an insight into the US healthcare system, um, outdated laws mm. governing women's bodies and choices. And, yeah, it really kind of shocked me reading it. I just I thought it would be just a memoir about motherhood and, and abortion, and it is, but it was all of this information that I didn't really comprehend as being still relevant now. I thought it was mm. kind of... And we don't, as white women in Australia, we're yeah. not... We don't need to face those um, exactly. realities because it's so specific to contemporary America. Yeah. But yeah. damned if you do, damned if you don't, you know, it's mm. so expensive to have a child there. Totally. And then yeah. Um, do you remember which state she lived in? I'm guessing it's a... Oh, that would be a really... Bubble it would be a really important um, point, wouldn't Sorry, it? I don't think I actually wrote it down. I don't remember now. Um, but she did talk about um, the list of states that... Mm. are included in um, the sort of outdated laws. And there was a lot, there was a lot mm. more than I realised. So, yeah, it's uh, really, I really recommend it. Um, but just go in with the sort of perspective of this is a privileged person. Imagine if it mm. wasn't such a privileged person, how more, how much mm. more it would be, amplified. you know, amplified, yeah. But I still found it, yeah, really, really important, so... Yeah, I haven't heard of that. I'll mm. look into it. I think it's it, it's really new. I think it's Alan and Unwin published it with a smaller publisher, Manila Press or something. I can't remember now. Yeah, sure. I will. Um, I will. I will approach that one when I'm feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be yeah. It's definitely a trigger warning book. I think because obviously there's a lot in there that. Yeah. I feel like so many of our books say are and, yeah. um, you know, it shouldn't mean that you shy away from it if you are a mother, you know, but you mm. just have to be, you have to take good care of yourself whilst you're reading these books. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my next book is uh, My Wild Sleepless Nights by Clover Stroud, which mm. is, I love the title. Um, and I've seen reviews of this book and spoken to other mums who, who have said that this book is the closest reflection of the actual lived experience of motherhood that they've ever read. Mm. Um, and, yeah, absolutely it is so searingly honest, but it's also very funny, sometimes triggering, like probably like all the books like we mentioned. <laughs> yeah. um, Stroud has five children and so the book takes place throughout the first year of her fifth child. Wow. Um, but also at the same time, her oldest child is 16 and in a way kind of leaving the nest. So there's this sort of bookends almost um, to 
her 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 experience of motherhood mm. um and, you know there's a lot going on for her but even for someone like myself who has two children they're under the age of five I found it just so deeply relatable and um it was elevated even higher in my mind because Stroud's writing is so funny and visceral uh it's the whole book sort of has that confessional tone and it's um yeah I love the quote on the front by Elizabeth Gilbert that says every time a woman tells the truth it sets another woman free Mm. and I think that's was my experience of the book and I think that's why other mothers um are just so evangelical about this book so I actually haven't this is the first I've heard of it. Um, straight on oh, my wish great. list. Great, I can um, <laughs> probably push it into your hands yeah, and I'm, tell you to read it. I think you'll love it, Amy. Yeah. I am. Um, yeah, let's chat when you're done. Yeah, the title has grabbed me immediately as well because it's literally <laughs> what can. the experience is. Literally. Yep. <laughs> yep. That is that nonfiction. Fiction. Yeah, it's nonfiction. Yeah, yeah. it's it's, okay. a, it's her memoir, so uh, she okay, actually yeah. has. Yes. Five children between. Yeah. Wow, my gosh. I can't even imagine having five. Like I'm sort of going, oh, God, two. I'm going to have two. <laughs> I'm already struggling <laughs> well, in, with in a one. Way, in a way I found it, um, you know, quite like her life is chaos, but I found there's beauty that, you know, yeah. she kind of, there's a lot of beauty in her chaos and it, it, it kind of seemed hopeful in many ways for me. Yeah. So <laughs> I do love that and I think there definitely is a lot of, beauty and the chaos but it's just sometimes difficult to see it when it's not written beautifully in a book (laughs) when you're actually living it sometimes it's hard to stop and go oh you know what that was actually a good moment or whatever it is 100% and that those sorts of themes are explored you know so yeah um, yeah. I think you'll love it um so my next one is another quite I guess bleak (laughs) Book. It seems to be the theme Sorry, wasn't here. Wasn't this the bleak motherhood books of 2021? <laughs> Maybe I should wasn't call it that. that. <laughs> Maybe that should be the title. Um, I, we both tend to lean towards that rather than the Hollywood happy chappy version of motherhood, I guess. Yeah, and that's yeah, kind of what no, the podcast no is about, anyway. I guess. Maybe. I don't really know. Yeah. Just the truth, really. Like you said. Um, so it's the Bass Rock by Evie Wilde. It's basically mm-hmm. a modern gothic noir. It's chilling and dark. Did you read it? I, I, I feel always feel bad saying this. So I, I read half of it. Okay. Yep. 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 A In lot of people. Job, obviously, I read a lot, and then I'll sometimes have to put it down if it's not right for my business or if yeah. I, you know, I'm under the pump. And yep. um, yeah, this was a one that I didn't finish, but I would love to hear about it from somebody who okay, did. Okay. Sure. <laughs> so I think the thing with this book is it's it's heavy prose and story so it's not a basic plot and it's not a simple read it's it's quite I think I actually wrote down the names on a little map as a bookmark so that I could remember who was who um which I'm I'm sure a lot of people don't need to do but I'm terrible with names at the best of times so it just helps me to just quickly know what's (laughs) happening um sure but basically there's mystery there's crime it's this sort of I think found it a pleasure to read personally but I had no pressure when I was reading it I was in the midst of COVID in lockdown nothing was Mm -hmm. happening so it was my sort of escapism Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't want to put it down but it's definitely not a simple read so for people who like a simple book it's it's probably not the best choice for you Um, and let me think so the theme at the heart of the book is basically abuse towards women. So it's heavy. Um, Definitely need a trigger warning for anyone who is not good with reading about that type of thing. Um, Mental, physical and verbal violence towards women is explored. And I think there's endless amounts of toxic masculinity and male sort of urges and sexual urges and the psyche that males tend to have, um, specifically abusive males, that can be terrifying for those in its path, along with subtleties like misogyny, passive aggress- aggression and gaslighting. So it's it's a huge combo of like it's intense mm. and there's a lot being explored. Um, but I think ultimately it's about power, women's fight for survival um, to merely stay alive and there are a lot of mother-daughter um, relationships throughout sort of the generations in this book as well and I think um, especially mothers who are dealing with this type of thing and how they cope with that um, especially in the timeline that they are in. So there's, I think, the 60s. I can't remember now. There's a few different generations 
within the book. Um, but it's a very real and terrifying issue and I think she just does this really incredible thing where she explores it but in a fictional way with all of these different characters and you don't even really think about that as being the theme of the book until you're finished and then you go, oh, that mm. was definitely a book about that. Um, mm. Yeah, when you listed it, I sort of did the kind of tried to remember how it would per- pertain to motherhood and then it sort of clicked into place. Yeah, um, so there are uh, – it's a while since I've read it now so I can't remember exactly who – the characters are but there are a few (laughs) mother-daughter yeah there's a few mother-daughter relationships and even I think there's a character that sort of plays the role of a mother to to a child that isn't actually her mother and there's sort of lots of those types of situations Mm. but I think also reading it alongside Jess Hill's See What You Made Me Do which was Mm. the Stella Prize winner of last year is a really good way to get a better insight into what the book is exploring, um, which is nonfiction. Sure. And it would be just a good buddy up read. It would be heavy yeah, to read them absolutely. both. Absolutely. No, but it's I think a great it match. Be, yeah, really helpful when you're sort of diving into something so epic. Mm. But yeah. And everyone should just read that book anyway. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's my fourth choice. And that was definitely a heavy read, but um, I think it's got a lot of good sort of I think there's a purpose to reading it I think um it's it's interesting to explore these issues in a fictional way sometimes can be like less confronting or something I don't know you're making me want to return to it (laughs) see you might need to start again though because my unfinished books I do too I do the same thing Uh, I put a lot of books down last year and I think man if I'd have read all of those imagine how many books I would have read for the whole year Oh, I mean, 2020, I don't know. It was the year of different things for different people and yeah. reading was sometimes not one of them. Yeah, totally. Um, so from one um, <laughs> one bleak read to another, <laughs> my fifth recommendation for um, for last year's books is probably the bleakest. Um, okay. <laughs> it, but, uh, yeah, bear with me. It's Burnt Sugar by Avni Doshi or ah, Doshi, I'm not yes. sure the pronunciation. Yeah, shortlisted for the Booker Prize um, last year. And I'll just read you the first sentence of the book to set the scene. Um, It is, I would be lying if I said my mother's misery had never given me pleasure. So Mm. that might just give you a little bit of insight into um, the book and probably no surprise that it is about a very toxic mother-daughter relationship. Mm -hmm. So. It's set in West India and the narrator Antara is the child of Tara um, and many people will just call her a bad mother. She has neglected her child um, to pursue her own impulses basically for all of um, Tara's life and there's that sort of exploration of self-determination and in its relationship to selfishness, which mm-hmm. I think is so intrinsic to the experience of motherhood, um, but obviously there is a spectrum and... Um, Tara is at one end of it. Sorry, Tara's the mother. I think mm-hmm. I called her the wrong name before. It's quite confusing. <laughs> anyway, Tara gets dementia and, and Tara, the daughter, becomes the mother to someone who's barely mothered her. Wow, so okay. it's, um, you know, quite an interesting relationship switched on its head really and um, the voice of this book is so distinct um, and I was having a look at some read, uh, reviews on, say, Goodreads and it's it's very divisive. It's it's not a book that is um, universally uh, loved, yeah. I don't think, but it's really vicious uh, is the word that sort of sprang, springs to mind for me, but it's willing to explore these sort of dark corners of mother-daughter relationships and the irreversible effects of being parented poorly, yeah, um, which I think probably means it won't be for everyone. But if it, I, I just found it really captivating and um, was, yeah, it, it's dark obviously, but to explore those sort of ideas, it was really interesting to me. Mm. Say what you will about that. I feel like if whenever my mum hears about the books I read... <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> she must be really concerned that. Does she? I, does she read a lot as well? Your mum? My mum reads a lot, but Different. I would never recommend this one to her, and yeah. probably because of the message that it might contain. And it, 
yeah. you know, yeah. it's don't, I mean, there's nothing to actually read into that. I think I'm just, as a reader, I always am interested in, um, in the mother daughter relationship in sort of any sort of nuanced, truthful yeah. representation. It seems but to yes. be the theme among all of the books we've chosen almost as well, because it's my <laughs> next choice as well is the same sort of thing. Um, not the same thing, but the mother-daughter relationship thing. But yes, sure. Burnt Sugar has been on my wish list since I saw its release. Pretty much since I saw the cover, I just thought, that looks really good, I want to read it. And I didn't really know that much about it until you've just I said hopefully now. I, didn't, I don't think I gave too much away. No, it's good. It's made me want to, to read it more. But I'm also terrified because if I am having a girl, which I don't know yet, I'm like, oh, my yeah, God, okay. am I going to be in yeah. one of these intense relationships <laughs> one day? Who knows? Um, but, one thing I'll say about that book is it's quite a short read. You know, you can really kind of you don't have to stay um, in that okay. kind of vicious voice for too long. Yeah. <laughs> and that theme of um, being parented poorly or I guess um, nature versus nurture is something that will come up again in a book, anticipated yes. book for 2021, which I'm looking forward <laughs> to talking to you about. So yes. my fifth and final book of 2020, um, which it was difficult to choose because – I've had a lot of people on the podcast in 2020 that are writers that have written incredible books and I didn't end up picking any of them, I don't think, purely because I've already spoken about them on the podcast and there's yeah. so many others that I just need to include everything um, if I can. So it's Kokomo by Victoria Hannon, which I yes. think we've discussed a bit before. Um, yeah. But, yeah, from the outskirts the book is dealing with the breakdown of a mother-daughter relationship, Mina's relationship with her mother, Elaine. Um, but I think that's kind of just the one basic aspect or thread holding all of the pieces of the narrative together. For anyone that doesn't know, it's an Australian release, a debut. Um, actually, the, the woman that wrote it is a photographer too, so I felt a bit of a connection <laughs> there. Um, it's told from the perspective of Mina, a young woman dealing with the frustrations of single womanhood in your late 20s, early 30s, working in the creative ad industries, being treated exactly how many of us have been treated in these in these roles um, when the show is run by men. But the story sort of begins in Mina's head and what happens is she's having an intense sexual encounter with someone and it's like very prominent, the first page. I just loaned it to my sister and she went, whoa, prominent that, is first, one word. that first page was quite sexy. And I was like, yeah, it is. Yeah, um, it really catapults you into the book. Yeah, totally. Um but there's a lot going on under the surface of her life and her mother's life who basically she finds out has just left the house for the first time in 10 years is it or more. I can't remember now. Um, and she's in London at the time. So she sort of rushes home because her mum's left the house for the first time. And there are many sort of little storylines going on including my favourite part of the book, which is um, exploring a mother's life pre-motherhood, which comes in the latter half mm. of the book. You think it's mostly just going to be told from Mina's perspective, but then it switches and you get the mother's perspective and that sort of mm. was where I went, oh, wow, okay, now I really love this book because yeah. at first I thought being a mother and being that age where there's a lot of books being written these days, um, which is amazing, debut especially, books by young women who are around my age sort of coming into their early 30s and I find a lot of them are kind of unrelatable to me in some ways because I have children and because I have a long-term relationship so I get mm. a bit bogged down with it but this book did a really good job of showing both perspectives of a mother's perspective and then a young woman's perspective who isn't mm. a mother and that's what really shifted it for me so yeah, I love this book. I think it's an easy read for anyone that's sort of interested in yeah, picking something up. It seems up. to have um to have got uh, quite a few a broad kind of readership. Yeah. I like the, how that book explored the push and pull of mothers and mm. and daughters, you know, something, you know, she's living in London and you sort of have to go, okay, so you've set your life up over there and like yep. her mother is essentially on her own. Mm. But then that pullback, you know, when she comes gets out of the house that that one time and then, you know, that's a, such a, a, a common relationship that mothers and daughters have. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's just happened recently with me even. Not just my mum but my parents in general just coming back. You've feeling been pulled like, back, yeah. Yeah, pulled back yeah. because you feel like I need to be there 
and then you're there yes. and you think, I don't want to be here. Why am I here? Like I don't yeah. need to be here yeah. all the time. Um, constant dance. Oh, yeah, it's tricky. But, yeah, <laughs> I highly recommend that one. So we should dive into the anticipated releases uh, before we run out of time. Yes. The anticipated reads, they've either, either just published or they're about to publish. Um, some of them I've read and some of them um, I'm yet to read or yeah. even one of them I'm currently reading. So the, there's only three. The first one is... Um, the Push by Ashley Audrain and I know you've read this recently Amy and <laughs> I think like you I was really excited to read The Push because of what it promised which was a literary thriller that explored um, the expectations that modern motherhood places on women mm-hmm. and, and what it feels like when your experience of motherhood is nothing at all what you hoped for mm-hmm. and it is gripping and compulsive and addictive there's no doubt about that but I wasn't quite as prepared for the depth and the darkness that this book would sort of go to um, and yeah, I was, I was really impressed that Audrain did manage to explore kind of cultural fetishization and myths of motherhood and nature versus nurture. It's obviously being compared a lot to, we not need to talk about Kevin, yes. um, and expectation versus reality. And she does explore that through this psychological drama prism, but I think Going into it, I want to say to readers, make no mistake that this is also a thriller. So there's a point in which this book goes into that sort of um, exaggerated, excessive territory. Mm. But by this stage, if you are a mother, you've already related to so much of this person's experience and their story and their daily life Mm. detail. And so that combination makes this a very triggering book probably challenging for people who are in the throes of it yeah um but for me I am I mean like I'm balls deep in parenthood (laughs) and I read this and I just could not stop turning the pages and I found that balance of um the reality um and sort of she really does send it to like the darkest place you can imagine Mm. and the worst places you can imagine so yes, yeah. still recovering. It is definitely a, <laughs> an intense one, and I, uh, I, I, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. But yes, it definitely mm. explores that nature versus nurture. Um, and because, like it was spoken about in the well-read thread, um, can we trust this narrator? You know that whole. Yes, I should have mentioned that. Yeah, the unreliable narrator thing yeah, is. It's really. It's really it sort of leaves you guessing, um, and mm. I'm still I'm still guessing, I guess. <laughs> and I mean, you read it pregnant, which is probably even more of a heightened state. It was, um, it but was, yes, it was a bit <laughs> nausea-inducing. Like it made me feel a little bit sick, especially knowing I've got another baby coming and I've got a toddler, and that's the sort of dynamic in the in the book. Um, yes, yeah. But maybe you know. if you are inclined to read this book, um, try and find someone who has already read it and gauge yeah. sort of your your uh, threshold for for this. I, I I mean, I found it almost escapist at in parts because it was I don't read thrillers all the time, yeah. and I just I found that part you know so gratifying. Mm. But, yeah, obviously all of the trigger warnings. Yeah. Someone actually messaged me on my book Instagram and said, um, I've just recently had birth trauma. I think it was birth trauma. And yeah. I was wondering if you think this book would be okay for me to read um, and I'm struggling with postpartum depression. And I said, hmm. you know what, maybe just wait Probably a little not. bit. Yeah, <laughs> just wait a bit. I don't want to say yes and have you have a terrible experience reading yeah, it. Yeah, that's a lot of um, pressure for you to. Exactly. Yeah. But um, I would say there's a lot of other, there's, yeah. there's other things. I yeah. appreciate the, the, I love reading birth scenes that I don't love them. I'm not a, a masochist, <laughs> but I, I appreciate reading birth scenes that are true to life. Yeah. I think Fleischman is in trouble did that. Oh man. Um, yeah, that's right. You know, and it makes you think, okay, well, we don't read, you know, even in our books, we sometimes have Hollywood. Um, birth scenes and like that's obviously not how it goes yeah not at all so mine is first one is the women and the girls by laura bloom which was just published in january i think um i read it just at the end of last year but it it's a 2021 book essentially so it's a really easy read it's a really comforting sort of it's the Yay. kind of book I don't yes. think. Yeah, this is, this is the book you're lovely. after. <laughs> if you need something a bit more hopeful, head to this book. And I think that's why I loved it so much because I normally don't sort of go for these types of 
um, I don't know, happy books. And it's not really happy the whole way through, but I found that towards the ending there is closure for every character and every character's Mm. life is sort of feels like it's tied up in some way that's relevant for them and that just made me feel relief like I could just close it and go Mm. that's finished I'm done with that Mm. and it was nice and that's all that's all I needed sometimes when you read a lot of literary fiction Mm. um you get surprised by that because uh yeah you you don't often have those tied up in string endings and they can be really satisfying and I couldn't read a lot of them either because I'd get bored of it but having one every Mm. now and then is quite nice and this is Australian it's set in Sydney in a fictional suburb called Sandgate in the 70s so there's like ABBA there's incredible hairstyles and outfits and I loved all of that sort of (laughs) um, aspect of it but it's also in the grungy inner city and there's a lot of experimental living sort of happening but it's about essentially three women who leave their marriages and they each have daughters and they all move in together and it sort of blossoms from there but yeah I think most women would enjoy this in some way Mm. if if they need something a bit more uplifting um yeah sounds delightful it's really lovely have you read it no I don't I have a copy of it here so maybe I just shall Mm. (laughs) I just picked it up when it got delivered I I picked it up literally straight away and I never do that I just thought oh I might read this and immediately thought oh thank god I picked that up it was just so perfect yeah yeah, no, those books are special. I, I mean, that was Writers and Lovers for me last year, which is not on my oh. list, but can I be cheeky and just sort of mention it? Yes. That was my book for last year and um, it does also get tied up um, at the end mm. in a way that I found, yeah. So anyway, that's not my next book because that came out last year, but you should also read that. Delightful. Loved that too. What's next? Mine is The Panic Years by Nell Frizzell. Um, great name mm. but the yeah, she's a journalist um, and this book's got a lot of preliminary buzz from people like Dolly Alderton and mm. Pandora Sykes and the like um, it publishes in a few days time which is mid-February for anyone listening in the future um, and I haven't yet read it but I'm looking forward to so the title is The Panic Years and it describes the time um, that a woman apparently will experience in some way between her mid-20s and her early 40s. And now I'm quoting from the blurb, but it, that so that's a maddening period of transformation and personal crisis, um, recognisable by the myriad of decisions we make about partners, holidays, jobs, homes, savings, friendship, all of which are impacted by the urgency of the single decision that comes with a biological deadline the one decision that is impossible to take back whether or not to have a baby. Mm. Um, So anyway, I'm down for any book that is compared to Rachel Cusk's Uh, A Life's Work, which this has been, but um, we'll see if that's publisher positioning or not and, you know, if it stands up. Yeah, that's one of the golden books for me in terms of books about motherhood. Yes. This sounds really good. Yeah, I haven't heard of it until I saw it in your list, so I'm definitely keen to get into that. Um, yes, we'll see. My second book is, again, bleak. I haven't read it, um, <laughs> but I've got it on my pile. It is a debut novel from a Caribbean writer called Cherie Jones. It's called How the One-Armed Sister Sweeps Her House. Mm-hmm. Um, trigger warning for this because it has traumatic birth situation. Um, I think there's a stillbirth in there. So mm-hmm. obviously some people shouldn't be reading this if they can't cope with that. Um, So basically Layla is eight months pregnant when her waters break unexpectedly during the night. She can't find her husband anywhere. She flees the house in search of him. Adan has been out doing a burglary that has gone horribly wrong and now he's killed a white man. Um, But a baby won't wait and so she has to get to the hospital and sort of um, trauma and chaos ensues from there. Uh, I haven't read it Mm. yet, obviously. I mentioned that before, I think. But um, it sounds like... A really intense thriller that probably will also be quite uh, bleak, but it mm. looks like a I short. I didn't realise it was too. a thriller. I'd, I've seen it, yeah, and I actually thought it was more in the vein of um, uh, the book we both liked yes. last year, The Girl with a Louding yes. Voice. Yes, I thought yeah. so too. But um, maybe <laughs> I read the publisher's um, sort of what do you call it description. Um, I'm yeah, having yeah, a mind blank. Blurb, blurb, synopsis. Synopsis, that's the one. Yeah. And um, found that it had a lot of motherhood themes in there and was like, oh, my God, I've got to read this book. Um, and so, yeah, it's set in Barbados um, and they say it's about four people each desperate to escape the legacy of violence in a so-called paradise. So, yeah. Okay. 
sounds intense and it sounds I'm I'm probably going to pick it up next I think actually I'm really looking forward to it what's next for you my last uh recommendation I'm actually reading it right now and okay. so I sort of wish I was finished uh, the conversation <laughs> because I'm loving it yep. and plot twist it's not bleak <laughs> mm. um and yeah I just have a feeling I feel like this is gonna be one of the most um talked about books of the year and um it's just been it just you know it's been so different to anything I've read and it's so different to what I expected so the plot is focused sorry first of all the title is <laughs> Detransition Baby oh yes um, yes 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 on my wish list and the plot is focused around there's three main characters mm-hmm. and there's an unexpected pregnancy mm-hmm. so Reese, she's a trans woman in her mid-30s and she is yearning to be a mother but she's single she's in America she has a limited income and it's looking pretty unlikely that she'll be able to adopt a child. Her ex-partner, Ames, previously a trans woman for many years, but um, has since detransitioned and is living his life again as a man. And they don't really have a relationship anymore, but um, Ames gets in contact because he accidentally gets his boss pregnant. And this in itself shouldn't actually happen because uh, most trans women are rendered sterile after yeah. about six months of um, hormone therapy. replacement therapy. Yeah. 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 So the boss who's pregnant is cisgender and 39 years old and deeply ambivalent about the prospect of being pregnant. Wow. Although as a 39-year-old woman, she's realising that it's probably, uh, you know, it's her last, one of her last opportunities to p- potentially experience motherhood. So I won't say anything more wow. except that, you know, there's discussions around who's going to raise this child and it is whip smart, so compelling, um, and I'm avoiding work and responsibilities to read it <laughs> I love at the that. moment. <laughs> I love that feeling. Oh wow! It sounds uh, it's so much more of a plot than I knew about, but I'm I'm mm. so glad I know that now because I knew somewhat that it was about a detransition, um, and that yes. I found interesting in itself. But this is even more. Yeah, like, it's, I, I, I mean, feel it sounds, like I need to buy it immediately. <laughs> it sounds almost um, like I don't know, almost like a queer rom com or something. But it's it's actually very it's hyper realistic to read, and I, I love I love the writing. So mm. I'm so it's not I'm, bleak. I'm, is it? Um, no, no, no. That's great. It's, it's it's not. Uh, it's certainly not a dark book. It's at all. It's um, there's a, so much humour in there, and it's just got that. Um, the writing is 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 rooted in reality, and I just I fi- I'm finding it very non bleak. Yeah, mm, <laughs> interesting. So I have. I was trying to decide between two books to mention. So <laughs> the. The first one I was going to mention was From Where I Fell by Susan Johnson. Um, it's just, I think it's just about to be released and it's Australian and it doesn't really have a lot about motherhood in the synopsis, but a few blurbs um, by other authors have mentioned that it is about themes of motherhood. And so I've thought, I really want to read that. It's, it's written in email format. So it's literally the whole book mm. is back and forth between an email from Pamela Robinson in Australia to her ex-husband in Paris accidentally ends up in the inbox of Christina Woods and I think it is about uh, – now I'm starting to question myself because originally I thought (laughs) it was about – I thought it was two women who were um, both sleeping with the same man but now I think that was wrong so – perhaps sounds juicy maybe you're projecting amy maybe i am maybe it's from (laughs) another book i've been reading um but anyway these two women begin to tell each other the stories and secrets of their lives so um, pamela's responsible for raising her three sons and must reinvent the meaning of home following her divorce and christani her dreams long dampened must find a home by leaving it so they're sort of in opposite situations but their emails turn into Mm. an exhilarating and provocative um, exchange of love and loss so it sounds really good. Um, I'm not sure how I'd go with the email format. I don't know whether I'd love or hate that, mm. but I'm keen to sort of give it a go. Um, and then there was another yeah, it book sounds juicy. that sounds more along the lines of motherhood, which is The Long Afternoon by Inga Vesper. And that's actually a thriller um, or a crime thriller. And it's 1959, 
um, sort of Pleasantville-esque scenes Mm. in California and during the long, long afternoon, a seemingly happy housewife and mother vanishes from her home, leaving behind two terrified young children and a a blood stain on the kitchen floor. So Mm. that sounds really perfect like I just I need to read something like that right now I need that are you projecting again (laughs) maybe I am oh my god but you want something that's going to turn the pages themselves I mean and that sounds like that sort of book I've been reading a fair few of those lately and it's just I think it's just what I need right now given my life situation there's just too much chaos and too much unorder Unorder isn't a word. I get it. You know what I mean. I get it. Yeah. Lack of order. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was really enjoyable talking about those with you, as I knew it would be. So I'm hoping. That I think we did well to uh, we did well to narrow our list down as as uh, you know bibliophiles. Know. And tend to, I I know we broke the rules. We both put in an extra one, but that's always, <laughs> that was always going to happen. That, that's bound to happen. I think there was a few mentioned amongst it all, but um. I'm also really looking forward to the Women's Prize and the Stella Prize nominee, um, long list yes. coming out. I'm so excited about those. The so. to-be-read piles will, will oh. grow exponentially in the next few months. Absolutely. And mine's already kind of out of control, so it's probably not <laughs> such a good thing when I've got nowhere to live, but, you know, it keeps me. Such is life. Yeah. Learning to live with a, yeah, that's learning to live with a, um, with a very large to-be-read pile is is just one of the things us book readers have to uh, get used to, I suppose. Yeah. My husband's always like, are you buying another book? Are you sure you need another book? I'm like, yes, I need this book. This is going to be a good one. (laughs) All right. Well, thank thank you you for having me. Thank you for coming on and... um, Always lovely to chat books. Indulging me in this topic. I'm hoping that people enjoy it as much as we did. But, yes, um, enjoy the book and let me know what the sort of final feeling is of detransition baby because i'm looking forward to hearing about that i will no i think it's i i yeah i'll i'm gonna get back to it the moment we get off this call i think good i'm glad (laughs) and that's a wrap as always thank you endlessly for listening to today's conversation i am so thankful to have you here joining me on this trajectory through mother and otherhood If you love the show, please do go ahead and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. And if you could spare a minute, rating or reviewing the podcast goes a long way to helping this show reach more ears and provide solidarity to other mothers out there who may need a little affirmation or even entertainment in their lives. See you next time.